John Flavel, A Brief Biography I could say much, though not enough of the excellency of his preaching, of his plain expositions of scripture, his talking method, his genuine and natural deductions, his convincing arguments, his clear and powerful demonstrations, his heart-searching applications, and his comfortable supports to those that were afflicted in conscience. In short, that person must have a very soft head or a very hard heart, or both, that could sit under his ministry unaffected. The parishioner who wrote this of his pastor, John Flavel, has been joined in his admiration by William Wilberforce, Jonathan Edwards, Increase Mather, and many others. Mather, an influential American Puritan and president of Harvard College, wrote, John Flavel's works, already published, have made his name precious in both Englands, and it will be so as long as the earth shall endure. John Flavel's life began sometime between 1627 and 1630 in Bromsgrove, Worcestershire, England. He was the older son of Richard Flavel, a nonconformist minister, a pastor of a Protestant church not part of the Church of England. In his early years, he was educated at home and in the local grammar schools, and after doing well there, he was sent to study at University College in Oxford. In 1650, after earning his degree, Flavel was asked to be an assistant to the minister of Diptford in Devon, a county in the far southwest of England. The minister was an older man, and Flavel succeeded him at his death. It was here that he married the first of his four wives, Jane Randall. They were happily married until November of 1655, when Jane and their son died during childbirth. After a year of mourning, he married again to Elizabeth Stapple. It too was a happy marriage, and they were blessed with children. After six years in Diptford, the people of Dartmouth called Flavel to be their pastor. Dartmouth was a great seaport and a much larger town. After praying and receiving the urging and blessing of his neighboring ministers, he accepted the call and moved to Dartmouth in late 1656. Here he was known for being well-read and a diligent learner. He knew at least eight languages, but he adapted his style and words to his less educated hearers, who were mostly farmers and sailors. Flavel preached every Sunday and held popular Wednesday lectures. He was passionate in prayer, and God crowned his labors with many conversions. The year 1662 marked the beginning of years of suffering for John Flavel and many others. Twenty years earlier, religious conflict had contributed to the start of the English Civil War and the dismantling of the Anglican Church under Oliver Cromwell. Now, with the return of the monarchy and Charles II, the Church of England was fully restored, a revised prayer book was approved, and the time of the Great Persecution began. In 1662, Parliament passed the Act of Uniformity. This law, among other things, prescribed prayers, sacraments, and rites of the Church according to the Book of Common Prayer. Almost 2,000 clergymen, including Flavel, refused to comply with this act and were expelled from the Church of England. The Conventicle Act of 1664 barred nonconformists from holding separate church services, and the Five Mile Act of 1665, yet another law passed in an attempt to suppress dissent, prohibited expelled ministers from living in or even coming within five miles of any corporate town or a town where they had previously pastored. In 1665, Flavel's mother and father were arrested for participating in an illegal prayer meeting held in a private home. While imprisoned, his parents contracted the plague. They both became fatally ill and were released to die. 
During these tumultuous times, Flavel stayed faithful to his congregation and his God. He had lost his living and had to move five miles away, but he continued to serve despite the threat of penalties and persecution. He preached in the woods at midnight, on an island in poor weather, and in the fields of neighboring villages. Many times he sneaked back to Dartmouth to preach and encourage his flock in private houses. He resorted at times to disguises, and even riding his horse straight into the ocean to avoid capture from pursuing soldiers. His second wife died during these years, and Flavel married a third time to Anne Down, who gave birth to two sons. Though it is not clear, it seems Flavel had three surviving children, two sons and a daughter. In 1672, there was a brief reprieve when Charles II issued the Royal Declaration of Indulgence, which gave nonconformists the freedom to worship, and Flavel returned to Dartmouth as a Congregationalist pastor. But that indulgence was cancelled the next year, so Flavel returned to preaching in houses and fields, and writing. Puritan pastors had more time to write while they were forbidden to preach, and Flavel was no exception. He wrote mostly for his congregation. Several books were addressed specifically to sailors and farmers. Many of his works were on suffering, a subject with which he was most familiar, but Flavel always wrote with the desire to make Christ known and for the conversion of souls. While Mather's prediction about Flavel being revered as long as the earth will last was not realized, Flavel did leave a lasting legacy and deeply influenced those who would set the course as shapers of church and culture in the generations to follow through his writings. His collected works went through at least 13 editions during the 18th century alone, and his works have been printed hundreds of times. Flavel was one of the best-selling authors in England and in the American colonies. Sometime in 1676-77, Flavel's third wife died. Flavel stayed in Dartmouth until 1682, when the danger drove him to London. Here he met and married his fourth wife, a widow named Dorothy Jeffreys. He stayed in London for two years, then returned to Dartmouth and ministry to his scattered congregation. By the time of the Glorious Revolution in late 1688, when James II was deposed and religious freedom granted to the nonconformists, Flavel was nearing his end. He preached his last sermon while visiting Exeter on June 21st and died suddenly of a stroke on June 26, 1691. He was returned to Dartmouth and buried in the churchyard.